Welcome. You're listening to the Beaver Dam Baptist Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. If you would like more information about Beaver Dam Baptist Church or have questions about today's message, please visit us on the internet at www.bdbc.org. Some of you growing up may remember or Maybe you had it as an adult with your children, but you may have had a chart in your house. It was on the wall somewhere, maybe over in a corner. Maybe it was on the back of a closet door so no one else could see it. I mean, we didn't have one of these because my mom would have never allowed writing on the walls for any reason, but some of you had this. And it was a chart where you charted the growth of your children. So every once in a while, you would line them up against the door or the wall, and you would make a mark on the wall measuring their height, and you would date it, and you would continue to do this as they grew up. And for those of you who did have something like this, you could look back at that years later, even after the children are gone, you could see that chart on the wall, and you could reminisce about all the good times you shared. Of course, you don't need a chart to see that over time, children do in fact grow. I mean, you hear people say that to you as parents sometimes. Boy, your kids sure are growing up. We don't really see it on a day-to-day basis. You You don't notice it from one Sunday to the next, but you do notice it over the course of time, especially when you see an old picture or something pops up on your social media account from three or four years ago, and then you get a comparison between your children and now and three or four years ago, leading many of us to say things like, well, they're just growing up too fast. We want them to stay young, not so young that they're in diapers. We want them out of that stage but young because when they're young, they're cute and they're fun. But ultimately, of course, we do want them to grow. We know that is the reality. We know that is what they were supposed to do. It is natural for a child to grow. There are cases, of course, where children don't because of some defect or because of some disease. But in such cases, we recognize that that is an abnormality and it saddens us because a child is meant to grow into adulthood. Similarly, Christians are expected to grow into maturity as believers. And likewise, we should be sad and troubled if we look around and see either in ourselves or in others a lack of such growth. Today, we enter the home stretch of our mission statement. That does not mean that we are done with it. And on the contrary, we are just getting started. All I've done this month is try to communicate to you what that mission statement is. That is why we exist as a church. But now comes the hard work. Now we must look at every ministry and every member of Beaver Dam and analyze and discern every piece of the puzzle to see if it fits into our overall mission. Now you remember what that is, right? It's in the inside of your bulletin. I've said that every week. We exist as a church to proclaim God's word to make and mature believers. And we intend to do that 
through teaching people to live, leading people to share, and this morning's topic, expecting people to grow. Now, throughout this series, I've tried to make sure we see the dual responsibility that we have in this. In other words, there is a part for the church to play, that is, the the church is to do these things, but on the other hand, you as a member of the church are in fact part of that church, so you have a part to play as well. It's not just the church teaching people to live, I need to be teaching people to live, and you need to be doing that. It's not just the church leading people to share. For the church to do that, you must be following, that is, you must be leading people to share. You must be sharing. And then as we see it all culminating this morning, in this last prong, we are expecting all believers to grow. There is an expectation on the part of the church for you individually that you are going to grow. And as you and I grow individually, then the entire church is strengthened as well. So to do that this morning, we are going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, as we talk about our need to grow to maturity. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, as you see from this text, this portion of our mission statement is not something that we invented. It is not something that we just decided needed to be in there. This is biblical. It is a biblical expectation. So if we are going to grow to maturity, we must first recognize that growth requires responsibility. By that I mean that you and I must embrace the part we play, that is, we have to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth. Now, I know I'm throwing a couple words at you this morning that you may not like. Words like expecting, and then every one of our points this morning is going to have the word requires in it. We don't like those words so much because we want to do what we want to do. We don't want someone having expectations upon what we're supposed to do. We don't want someone requiring us to do something. We want to be free to do what we want to do. But the Bible doesn't give us that option. Instead, we have an expectation placed upon us by the Bible for spiritual growth. The writer of Hebrews begins this section in verse 11 by saying about this. And that refers back, obviously, to what he's just talked about, which we've not read. But what he's just talked about is a comparison between Christ and the Aaronic priesthood, specifically the ancient figure known as Melchizedek. But then he gives this sort of parenthetical statement. And he says, well, there's a whole lot more I really want to tell you about this, but you're just not able. You're not able to handle it. 
They couldn't handle it because they were spiritually immature. They had never grown up. These were professing believers. They had embraced the gospel. They had turned to Christ by faith, but then they had become complacent. Now, keep in mind, he's writing this to the entire congregation, not just to the leaders of that congregation. And so he says to them, by this time, you ought to be teachers. That is, you should have matured to the point where you are teaching others, but instead, they need more instruction in the basics. Jesus says very much the same thing in the Great Commission. It is to all believers, and he says that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that he has commanded us. That is a comprehensive statement. But how can we teach others how to live? Again, that was our topic last week, or two weeks ago. I'm getting the prongs mixed up myself. But how can we teach others how to live if we're not growing to maturity? Now, some might object by Jesus' words that this is not right. In other words, didn't Jesus say that we must come into the kingdom as a little child? Well, he certainly did. But what he meant by that was that for salvation to occur, we must come with the trust that a child has, the humility that a child has, the dependence upon God that a child has upon his or her parents. But coming to the kingdom as a child and being childish are two very different things. Being childish is a refusal to grow up. And we are seeing this more and more in our society with young men and women in their 20s who still want to act like they have not grown up. They want to live off their parents they want to stay at home and sponge off them and have fun. They, they don't want to wake up early and go to work. And again, we've even coined a word for this. They've come to understand that they don't like adulting so much because it's more difficult than they imagined it would be. They used to think, I can't wait to be an adult so I can do whatever I want. And then they quickly learned that that's not what an adult does. And so they are in many ways refusing to grow up. So if you've been a believer any length of time, it is time for us to grow up spiritually and to accept that as our responsibility. Well, how do we go about doing that? That's our second point. We start by realizing that growth requires listening. Did you notice in verse 11 there that the heart of the problem for these folks that our author is writing to is that one little phrase, they were dull of hearing. This speaks of their spiritual apathy, which again continues to be a major problem even in our own day. We might use the word complacency as well to describe what I'm talking about. It's the whole idea that I'm going to come to faith in Christ. I believe I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to accept the promises that come with that of an eternity with God in heaven, but then that's it. I'm pretty much done. Now I'm just going to live my life the way I want to and trust that I'm going to be in heaven someday. Unless, of course, I run into some problems during my life, some difficult circumstances, and then I'm going to cry out to God because in that moment I need the help of God. But when many people do that, the God they're crying out to is so foreign to them, they don't know that God, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, 
that they're crying out to God in the midst of those times is in ignorance. And I don't use that word meanly. I just mean in a way that they don't understand because they haven't grown in their relationship with God. So how do we avoid that? Well, we, to avoid that, we think listening is important. If we're not going to be dull of hearing, then we've got to be listeners, Obviously, listening to the reading of the Word of God and hearing what the Word of God has to say. I told you week one of this series that I was going to say this repeatedly, and you may roll your eyes now because I've said it every single week, but the Bible is the foundation for all of this. We talked about that at the beginning, about being anchored in truth. We talked about it with teaching people to live. What do we teach them? We teach them the Bible. We talked about it when we were talking about uh, leading people to share. What do they share? They share the story of the Bible. And it's not in our title per se today, but it is certainly implied. Growth to maturity involves knowing, reading, and studying the Bible. I think it also involves listening to the preaching of God's word, even as you may be doing right now. That doesn't mean just showing up for church. We often think of listening as a very passive event, but it's not. Real listening is active. It's not about just occupying a place. For example, every man in here who is married has at some point heard his wife say these words, are you listening to me? Now you're in the same room with them, you're looking them in the eye, But for whatever reason, you're off in the distance, you're thinking about something else, you're distracted by something else to the point that your wife is now looking at you saying, are you listening? So listening is an active endeavor. See, I don't know if you're listening or not. You look like it, but I have no idea. I mean, your thoughts could be on a thousand different things. You're looking at me but you're thinking about something entirely different from spiritual growth, and there's no way for me to know that. There is a way for you to know that, of course, and that's why I'm saying that listening to the preaching of the Word of God is indeed important because your mind is necessary to be engaged in this, and that is why coming to church is so essential. We place a priority, as you well know, on the preaching of God's Word here. It takes up about two-thirds of the service that we have on Sunday mornings. And for my preaching to be effective, you must be effective in your listening. That means Sunday morning church starts on Saturday night. Do you get adequate rest on Saturday night? You see, if you stay out too late on Saturday night and you come in here tired, guess what? You're not going to listen very well because you're going to be tired and you're going to be nodding off. It sounds rather basic, but it is true. It also means that you need to be conscious of those around you. That is, your actions might prove to be a distraction uh, to somebody else. You might be hindering somebody else from listening by what you're doing or not doing in the service. So you have a part to play in helping others be active listeners as well. To stay engaged, maybe you need to take notes. Some people like that, some people don't. It's not a right or wrong, it's just a way of doing things. That's why we offer notebooks for you to have or papers for you to stick in your Bible. So if that helps you stay actively listening, then do that. So growth requires listening. 
And then the third thing is that growth requires knowledge. The writer is clearly upset, verse 12, that they uh, didn't know the basic principles of the oracles of God. They were deficient in the basic principles of the gospel. Now, that is not to say that everybody must be a theologian in the strict sense of the word. But we are a theologian in the practical sense of the word because theology is simply the study of God. And all of us ought to be students as studiers of God. Again, for this to happen, we must have an appetite, not only for God, but for his word, because that is where he has primarily revealed himself to us. One of my favorite verses is in the Psalms, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. Do you hear the passion in that? Do you hear the urgency in that verse? And I wonder if that same passion and urgency for God and his word is in your heart and in your life. Jesus said very much the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these other things shall be added unto you. The priority, he said, is God and his kingdom above all else. So you and I have a responsibility to know the basic truths of God's word. We ought to know something about the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of last things and and other theological doctrines. If we don't, it's time to start reading. Now, again, I've heard people say, and again, I hate to pick on you men, but I hear men say this more than others. Well, I just don't like to read. Well, I used to didn't like to read either. But then I was forced to read in seminary, and I grew to like it. So if you don't like to read, start And if you really don't like to read, then you can listen to a lot of this stuff now. I mean, you can listen to books on tape these days or or on your podcast or whatever. We've got recommended reading on our website. You can go there and, and we're giving you some resources there, some suggestions on what is good reading for various aspects of, of theology. And again, by using the word theology, I'm not saying it's going to be too hard for you to understand. I'm simply saying it is the things about God. We do this in life groups. That's why we get together tonight. We're reading a book together. And then we're coming together in groups to learn from not only the author of that book, but to learn from others who are reading the book. And so we're sharing and discussing the uh, material that is found in that book. Now, if you are going to read, then you might as well read something good. I mean, so don't waste your time on nonsense or heresy. Again, that's not to say you can't read novels and other things, but I'm saying when you are reading Christian material, make sure it is good Christian material. And not everything you pick up in a, in a bookstore is good Christian material. So if you don't know, ask us. That's why we're here. We're a resource for you. So if you are questioning a specific author or a book, Send one of us an email or a text and ask us about it. We'll be happy to try to direct you to good reading material. Now look again at our text, but we're going to go one verse more. Chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Our author says we've got to move beyond the basics 
We've got to grow to deeper truths. Now, that's not criticizing the basics. We still need to know the basics, but we need to grow. Maturing believers go beyond the basics to gain that maturity in their faith. And again, there is that dual role here. We have a responsibility as a church to preach and to teach the deep truths of God's word. I know a lot of people don't like that. And I know that's why there are churches that are far larger than ours. Because in many respects, they're not doing that. But we have a responsibility to teach the deep truths of God's word. And if you desire simply to be spoon-fed minor things, then you're not going to be happy here over the course of time. Because we're trying to get you beyond that. But again, you have a role to play in that as well. We are committed to serving up a steady diet of deep truths, and you need to be committed to learning those truths. It means that you have to be faithful in being here. You have to be open to investing your time in further studies like Sunday school or life groups or other discipleship classes that we have throughout the year or the week all of which are designed to offer you this opportunity to grow in your knowledge. Knowledge is not everything, as we'll see in a moment, but it is necessary. The next requirement is this. Growth requires work. Now, we definitely don't like that word. I'm adding a third word that you don't like. That's a four-letter word to us. Again, we want it given to us in small, bite-sized doses that don't require any work on our part. But that's not the way it works in God's Word. The writer of Hebrews here is making the comparison with milk versus solid food. An infant lives on a diet of milk, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that is the best thing for an infant. We all give our newborn babies that steady diet. But they don't stay there. Eventually, they start moving up to mushy foods, those nasty-looking foods in the little jars, although I'm told they're not in little jars anymore. They're in squeeze things now. But they look nasty, and we don't eat them. But it's a progress. They've moved from milk to this mushy food, and eventually they're going to move to solid food. You don't put a steak in front of an infant. They need the milk. But if I invite you over to my house for dinner this week and I serve you milk and that's it, you're not going to be very happy. You might not get a steak, but you're wanting something solid because that's what adults eat. So just as solid food requires some chewing and some work, so growing requires work. It takes study, not just casual reading. I do both. I enjoy reading. I enjoy casual reading. Study is more work to me, but I, but I have to do it. Sometimes at the first of the year, as, as we've done this year, we, we look for a new Bible reading plan for us to do as a church. We've been encouraging this for a number of years now. And we try to mix it up year after year and do something a little bit different. But we, we are looking for a plan for us to go through during the year. And as you look for those plans, you'll find something called a, a seven-minute-a-day Bible reading. Or I found one called a five minute. Five minutes, that's all you gotta do. Not if you wanna grow in your knowledge of God. Five minutes is not gonna cut it. That's a good start for someone who's a new believer, 
But if you've been a believer for a number of years, you don't need to be on the five-minute-a-day Bible reading plan. You need to be on something much more serious than that so that you can grow in your knowledge as you acknowledge that it is indeed work. And that's what study is. When I study a section of Scripture, I'm focusing in on it. I'm, I'm asking it questions. I'm reading the context. I'm trying to figure out what's going on and therefore how it applies to my life as well. So it's not just reading. We've all had the experience of reading our daily Bible section and five minutes later having absolutely no idea what we've just read. I mean, we've checked it off. We've read our chapters for the day, but it's certainly not made any impact because we can't remember it minutes later. And that's why study is necessary because it forces us to think and discern. I mean, when you're immature, you just act. But when you grow to maturity, you become more discerning. For example, a five-year-old may not know why he or she is not supposed to stick their finger in an outlet. They just know they're being told not to. And that if they do what they're being told not to, it's going to hurt. But I know enough about that, and I'm no electrician. I can't explain electricity to you. But I do know enough about it to know the reasons why I'm not supposed to stick my finger in that outlet. I can discern why it's good or bad to do something like that. And likewise, the mature believer thinks as he or she is reading the Bible, asking it questions and asking ourselves questions to try to apply it to our lives, which is hard work, but it is fruitful. The last thing I want to mention is that growth requires experience. In other words, I'm simply saying here it takes time. And that is another reason why we don't like it so much. We want instant results. When we go to the gym, instant results. When we start a diet, instant results. When we have a Bible study, we want instant results. We want a one-to-one -one correlation. We want to read the Bible this morning and apply it effectively to something in my daily life this afternoon. Otherwise, we begin to think, well, I'm not sure why I spent the time reading this morning because it didn't make any difference in my life today. But look again at verse 14. In verse 14, we hear these words, but solid wood, food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Solid food with constant practice results in training to discern good from evil. The truth is we learn as we put our knowledge into real life circumstances. We all know that book knowledge in and of itself is not enough. We must combine that book knowledge with wisdom and application. And this is not an either or thing, but a both and. We need the knowledge, but we need that knowledge put into practice, which is what we get in experience. You instinctively know this in other areas of life. Have you ever said or heard someone said, that doctor looks awful young. You know what that means? I'm not sure he has the experience. We don't want our cardiologist to operate on us and it's his first time. We don't want that. 
In fact, we want to be assured that he or she has done this surgery hundreds of times before, before we allow them to cut on us. Likewise, we ought to be skilled surgeons with the word of God. We ought to know it and be growing in our knowledge of it, but we also must be putting it into practice and therefore learning by experience. The greatest enemy to this kind of growth that we've been talking about this morning is spiritual complacency. It actually manifests itself in multiple ways. Some feeling like they are full and therefore having no hunger for God, his word, or for his people. Or others who have experienced some sort of setback in their life. And they became discouraged and frustrated in the midst of that setback. And now they have just quit. They have given up. But spiritual growth is not a straight shot. It's like the stock market. If you have your money in the stock market, over time, you expect your money to grow. But you also know that it's not going to grow every day. There are going to be down days in the stock market. In fact, there are going to be down portions of the year or maybe even years in the stock market. And yet the experts keep telling us, just keep investing and over time you are going to see growth. Your spiritual growth works the same way. It is not a straight line higher, but keep at it. And one of these days you'll be able to look back and see great progress in your life. So where are you today in that continuum? Have you come to the place where you're complacent about your spiritual life? Where you're no longer growing for one reason or another? Well, if that is you, I hope you've seen this morning that growth is expected of you. Not just because we've got it in our mission statement, but because it's in God's word. It begins when we are saved and it is never completed until we are glorified in the presence of Christ. And all along the way, we are to grow spiritually. But for that to happen, each one of us must make an effort. No one else can do it for you. You can't grow by proxy, letting someone else take your place. You've got to do all of those things that we've talked about this morning. I said a couple of weeks ago that Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28 would be a good theme verse for this entire month where Paul says there, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That is our goal as a church. We want to proclaim God's word to make and mature believers so that we can present all the members of Beaver Dam Baptist Church as spiritually mature in Christ. So will you get on board with that? I mean, I wouldn't ask you to do that unless I believed it is the word of God. It's not just a mission statement. It's certainly not unique to Beaver Dam. This is the mission of the church universal. But to be part of that church universal, you need to be part of a local church on mission with God. So I'm encouraging you to join us and get involved in proclaiming God's word to make and mature believers. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for the mission you've given us. You've chosen to use your people to proclaim your salvation 
And so while we rejoice in your saving of us and we praise you and sing about it, we have a mission to share that with others. So may you help us to get involved in that mission in different ways, no doubt, as as you've gifted us differently, but all involved in the mission to proclaim your word so that people come to faith in you and grow even as we are growing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. The last verse of 2 Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You're dismissed.